I'm Nicola Casacharo. I'm an affiliated lecturer in the history of art at the University of Cambridge. I'm a specialist in 19th and 20th century Russian and Soviet art and visual culture. Today I'm going to be talking about an exhibition called the Bulldozer Exhibition, which occurred in the 1970s in the Soviet Union. And this is also in conjunction with the issue, is art a threat? On the 15th of September 1974, a group of artists arrived with canvases and easels to show their work in a vacant lot in the outskirts of Moscow. There they were met by so-called volunteer workers, who were apparently there to clean the lot up, but soon they embarked on what Agamov Dupitsyn has called a true theatre of the absurd. They began grabbing paintings, throwing them onto trucks. Artists were res who resisted were wrestled to the ground and beaten, and water cannons were used on the crowd. Paintings were run over by bulldozers, so the event subsequently came no became known as the Bulldozer Exhibition. What provoked this extreme violent reaction from the Soviet authorities? What made this exhibition and its art on display so threatening to the Soviet government? In trying to answer these questions, I hope to open up a wider discussion surrounding the issue of is art a threat? But before going into detail on the exhibition, it's necessary to get a sense of the cultural climate in the Soviet Union to see why this incident was such a big deal. And that involves talking about the doctrine of socialist realism. Socialist realism officially became uh, the style of the Soviet Union in 1934. Its goal was to, quote, depict reality in its revolutionary development. This involved an idealized, optimistic world with figures on monumental scales, people with healthy athletic bodies, and an idealized view of workers, glorified soldiers, and also this art underlined the cult of the leader, the cult of Stalin. And this re socialist realism really had a stranglehold on creativity work for artists, and avant-garde art was branded formalist and banned. The only way for writers and artists to circulate their work was either in the form of samizdat in Russian, which means to self-publish, so they would publish it and circulate it themselves, or tamizdat, which meant to publish abroad. Those who resisted the doctrine of socialist realism became known as unofficial or non-conformist artists, and they ranged from about 1956 to 1986. They weren't really a group or a movement, but they shared interests and goals. And by their very nature, by their very existence, they were political. And so the question here really that I'd like to raise is if we look at the fall of the empire of the Soviet Union, there were lots of reasons for this. Economics, competition with the capitalist world, but what role could this underground culture, this underground art have played? Stalin died in 1953 and Nikita Khrushchev rose to power. And he enacted what's been called the Thaw from 1956 to 1966 and made a secret speech denouncing Stalin. And he began a campaign of de-Stalinization. This indicated things that would get better for artists and for writers. They would have more freedom. And indeed, censorship was relaxed. The Iron Curtain was lifted a bit, so more cultural and intellectual exchange with the West could be allowed. For example, there was an exhibition of Picasso's works in 1956, which had a huge impact on young Soviet artists, who began to experiment in their work, particularly with abstract forms. The former students of the Russian avant-garde of the 20s and 30s also started to organize, so this period did show a more liberal attitude towards culture. However, this soon changed after a controversial exhibition in 1962 called The Manege Show, 
which angered Nikita Khrushchev so much as he went round each of the exhibition halls, he dismissed all of the art as utter shit. Three days later, the Moscow section of the Artists' Union was officially censored for allowing formalism at the exhibition. This led to increased control of art and culture, especially when Khrushchev was replaced by Brezhnev in 1964. This led to arrests of artists and writers, and artists and writers were sent to labor camps. But this dissident culture was already in place, it already existed, and artists and this kind of culture was still thriving. In terms of nonconformist art, a group called the Lyanozova Group was named for an area on the outskirts of Moscow where many of these artists lived. And if you look at their work, it's not necessarily very controversial to look at. They used abstract elements, they were interested in abstract expressionism, and sometimes used almost entirely non-objective forms and geometric shapes. But they weren't always blatantly radical. They were interested in intimate subjects, still lifes, but still, socialist realism was something more than just its formal elements. It was a whole system of control. And these artists and others started chipping away at the Marxist and Leninist ideology in the Soviet Union. So you can really look at this kind of art as ideological warfare. The issue for artists is they couldn't exhibit in official galleries if they weren't member of the artists' union. So they held exhibitions in private flats. However, these were much harder to organize. Their patrons were writers, performers, and scientists in particular, who had the money and the means to find spaces to display their work. After 1966, artists began to get very frustrated by this. They had to organize their exhibitions at the last minute. There was always the threat the authorities might cancel their shows. And the members of the Leonorzova Circle especially got annoyed because they weren't officially allowed to exhibit. Their independence came at a cost. And artists started to, this, this really started to galvanize and move forward, and they started to take more action. And um, so, f for example, in March of 1969, they tried to organize a small exhibition at the Institute of World Economics and International Relations, but it was closed after only 45 minutes. So this is an almost seemingly hopeless situation, especially in the 1970s, where artists were arrested, charged with treason, and deported. There was an increase in harassment of dissident artists and writers. Um, an artist called Yevgeny Ruchin had his windows smashed, and Komar and Melamed were showing their work in Moscow to friends at home when police stormed in and took everyone in for questioning. Oscar Robin was arrested, and he was falsely accused of stealing a watch. So you see the, the scene that's being set here, what was at stake for these artists and the kinds of risks they had to take. Oscar Robin was the leader of the Leonozova Circle, and he was really the driving force behind its activities. In 1969, he came up with this idea to solve this problem for exhibiting their work, to have an open-air exhibition. Artists were quite worried this would provoke an even stronger reaction, but the new climate of the early 1970s, which was so terrible, really spurred them on. In 1974, Robin sent a letter to the Moscow City Council saying he wanted to hold an exhibition in a vacant lot in Moscow. The council said he wasn't technically breaking the law by doing this, but they advised him not to do it. They rallied other artists to join and they would meet on the metro in order to avoid the authorities. And they sent invitations to the exhibition to friends and to the Western media, which would be very crucial. And so on Sunday, the 15th of September, 1974, 
Artists arrived with their works and propped them up on easels in this vacant lot. There were 400 spectators, and again, this is crucial, with the Western media there. And there, the, these sort of so-called volunteer workers who were, actually worked for the government wrestled to them to the ground, they grabbed their pictures, threw them onto trucks, and bulldozers came in and ran over a lot of the pictures, and Robin famously jumped on one of the bulldozers and hung on. But the artworks really, although artists were beaten to the ground, the, the artworks got the worst of it, especially those by Comar and Melamede. They were totally destroyed, water cannons were used on the crowd, and many of the artists were arrested. This was a really awful scene, but the Western media reported it. It was on the cover of Time magazine and the New York Times, and they got the international attention they wanted. And as Agamov Tepitin points out, this was a real violation of the Helsinki Human Rights Accords, and in his words, it dealt a scandalous blow to the Soviet regime's already dubious reputation in the West. In the words of Vitaly Komar, he said, the first people to popularize Sot's art, which is the movement that he started, were the members of the Soviet authorities who trashed our exhibition with bulldozers and destroyed many artworks in 1974, with the whole world watching. This support of the West for the artists who participated in the bulldozer exhibition forced the Soviet authorities to allow them more freedom. They subsequently had an exhibition in, in Ismailovsky Park on the 29th of September, and the Western media dubbed this a Soviet Woodstock. 70 artists took part, there were thousands of visitors. Some artists were invited to participate in official galleries after that, and began to organize um, a bit more. However, this didn't indicate more freedom for artists and terrible things still happen. Uh, three painters from the Ismailova show were committed to asylums, others were threatened. Robin's son uh, had been exempt from military service due to, um, for medical grounds, and he was suddenly called up. Artists were threatened by the KGB, and um, yes, the, the worst of this was Evgeny Ruhin died in very mysterious circumstances in a fire in his studio and artists were sent to labor camps. And so by the mid-1980s, hundreds of artists and writers and musicians uh, left the Soviet Union, including dancers such as Mikhail Baryshnikov, musicians such as Rostropovich, Tarkovsky, Rabin, Nizvyesny, Komar, and Melamed. And their work, as they went abroad, became known very much in the West. And this exhibition really uh, contributed to their fame abroad. And collectors such as Norton Dodge and George Kostakis bought their work, organized exhibition, and younger artists um, began to have their work popularized in the West. There was even, in 1988, a Sotheby's uh, auction of some of these artists' work in Moscow. So this indicated a bit more freedom. One thing I want to emphasize before I finish is the political range of these artists. As Vitaly Komar talks about, not all these artists were political. They just really wanted people to see their work, to have the spaces where they could freely exhibit. But their art became a political act in this context. Suddenly, they became activists, or at least labeled as such. And some of them knew their work would never be accepted into official exhibitions, and so they had to accept the idea that their art was a threat. And someone like Oscar Robin, who is very keen um, to have a political impact, uh, it's really thanks to him that these artists got the exposure that they needed. 
This incident also shows how seriously the Soviet authorities took this work and how much of a threat it was um, to have the world perceive them in a particular way and, and what a threat this culture was to their ideology and their government in a system that subsequently crumbled. So to what extent did culture contribute? Avant-garde art has, is always a threat of some sort, a threat to the salon, a threat to the established order. And if we do think that culture contributed to the fall of the Soviet Union, can we potentially see this as a successful avant-garde mo- movement or a moment potentially in the history of art?